Good afternoon. You are listening to the Recovery Hour talk radio show that is being brought to you by the Rockdale County Stepping Up Initiative. You can continue listening to us on the CAT 10 ENT network by downloading the His Hop Radio app. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. As I always say, we have a treat for you today, and I haven't lied yet, and and that's just a whole new area for me of telling the truth. But anyway, with that being said, before we get off the cosmos, I would be remiss if I didn't first shout out to my sponsor, the Stepping Up Initiative, which is a national initiative that's been adopted here in Rockdale County, the purpose of which is to reduce the number of people in jails that look like us on the inside or the outside. Also, I would like to shout out the Hurricane Maine and Category 10 Entertainment on the His Hop Network for getting this message all across the world. And, you know, just I just like to thank this loving God, my understanding, man, for giving us an opportunity to let other people know what what's going on. You know, we used to be under the misconception that everybody knew what we knew, and that was not accurate. So information sometimes the messenger is the message. So with that being said, today we have a real treat. We've got a nationally renowned Greg Madison, author, facilitator, believer, just all of those things with us today. And uh, you're in for a real treat. All right. So let's go ahead and get to it. Greg, good morning, sir. You, How are you doing today, sir? Doing, doing just fine. Thank you. Man, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, Greg. So I want to ask you, could you introduce yourself to all the people out there in Radio Land that are going to hear this message? Well, Bill, my name is Gregory Madison. And as far as the opportunity to be on your program, I would have to say that my pleasure is God's glory. And so I'm the author of around 20 books, which deal with a biblical approach to addiction. Wow. Thank you so much for saying that, Greg. And and so with that being said, because we know there are multiple pathways and and we know about, you know, this is the thing that that I get today. Like we were saying before, we're under the misconception that everybody knows what we know and we are under the misconception, at least we were, that we knew how to change the tire. And, And I remember Many, many, many years ago, as I was out there with that four-way low bridge, you know what I'm saying, is stepping on it and standing on it. And I figured right then that I had mastered changing tires, right? And even though they weren't my tires, <laughs> however, I felt like I had mastered that. And then if you look at the jacks today, and, and I, I remember one day, you know, some years, a few years later, I was helped. This lady was stranded on the side of the road. And I was out there hustling and I saw her and I think she was in a Mercedes or whatever. And I walked up to her to, you know, I figured if I changed her tire, I'd get a few dollars. And I asked her, Mm -hmm. hey, ma'am, could I help you change your tire? She said, yeah. I said, where's your jack at? She said, I don't know. I said, pop your trunk. And I looked through Mm -hmm. the whole trunk and I couldn't find the jack, right? And then I can't remember some kind of way we found the jack. And when I found the jack, I couldn't even figure out where to put it. Because wow. it looked nothing, it looked nothing like 
the four-way lug wrench or that thing that we used to crank, it didn't look anything like that. So I learned today that there are multiple pathways to recovery. And I just want to thank you for being the author of a pathway, because however we get there, that's what matters. It, it just matters. Anyway, I want to go back in time, Greg, way back. And for me, for me and you is way, way back. When you were a little boy, Greg, what was the first thing that you wanted to be when you grew up? I honestly don't remember, Bill. I know, right? I know, right? And, and so, wow. Well, you did good. So I want to ask you another thing. Obviously, there was a time when you were a little boy, you may not remember it, but I'm, you know, I did look at your bio, you were a good kid, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of talked about going in the wrong direction. How did that happen? How did you end up going from that good little kid to going in the wrong direction? How did that happen? I would have to say that I was looking for things that I could only find in God that, that uh, I was looking in other places. Recently, I've written uh, that the leading cause to addiction is blindness. And so it was by being blindsided to the purposes that God has for my life. Okay, okay. I have to say that was the main thing. Right, right. And, and so when, when did you figure that out? Because I, I know that there was a transition period where you decided to go back toward the light. What was the catalyst for you going back toward the light? Well, there were phases, Bill, but it really came to a head uh, with two experiences. One, I was just writing about this. I was at a mission once for a shelter. And I actually went there just to get some rest because I could not get in touch with my drug dealer for that weekend. And so God began to speak with me. And in so many words, he was telling me to stay there and to get my life together so I could help people there at that shelter because a lot of them, I knew a lot of them at the shelter. And I would rarely go to that shelter. But every time I looked around, I was seeing someone I knew. And so that was one of the experiences that I had. And the, the, the other experience, which, which was very pivotal, which is on my website, uh, turningtogodfromidols.com, is when my grandmother was ill, I was living in my hometown, Cleveland, Ohio. My grandmother in Memphis, Tennessee had became ill and they were talking about cutting her leg off. At the meantime, I was just busy getting high all the time. And I didn't think that was right. So I really got serious about God making some changes in my life and looking at how I would combat addictions. You mentioned something earlier in, in reference to... Uh, changing the tire and everything. And it reminded me of the first line on the back cover of uh, one of my books last year called Addiction, Addiction, A Tug of War. And so the first thing I mentioned that is that most people understand more about addiction than they realize 
at the same time, most people don't understand as much about addiction as they realize. Yes, absolutely. That, that makes so much sense. And, and so, Greg, let me ask you a question, because I remember for me being a person in long-term recovery and, and I, you know, I woke up late. <laughs> I woke up late. So sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Tell me, once you started to get that message, once God started to deliver you, give you that message, what were some of the things that you tried or some of the things that you did that led you from the dark toward the light? What were some of those interventions that led you toward the light? Number one, Bill, was an intense study of God's word. I think God has a lot to say to us and we do ourselves harm and show him irreverence by closing our ears. Reverence is a big part of this thing for me also. I had to become stronger in my reverence towards God, uh, which means so many different things. That's a really big area. And so even within that, the reverence led me to this intense study of his word to being, to committing myself to a group of believers, fellowshipping with them. Initially, I needed some counseling and there was a pastor who stepped up for that. I committed myself to Bible-based support groups. There were quite a number of those in Cleveland, Ohio at that time. I think they still have quite a few, but not enough in my opinion. Almost every church there is should have a Christ-centered support. And I went back to my notes also. I began writing in the mid-90s. And even though I kept going back to drugs, from time to time, I would pull out my notes and start writing. And then I started collecting some books that were bi really biblically sound. I can tell you right now that the really good books didn't start coming out until... 1999. I have a collection of them. I listed them in some of my books. I have a list of resources on my Facebook page called Quality Christian Resources on Addictions. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking at the different books that I had obtained. Some of them I read and reread. There's an excellent book by Edward T. Welsh, Dr. Edward T. Welsh, called Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave, which I have, I have read no less than six times. Okay. And uh, I, I began to discover more and more books that were really great references. Uh, and from there, God just continued to help me to grow and to have a consistent walk with him. Just earlier this year, there was a light bulb that went off and God showed me the simplicity of this whole thing is that the simplest solution to addiction is to get saved and then to abide in Christ. And that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you said something else that's really important because I know that a lot of people expect a microwavable solution and it's not necessary, doesn't necessarily work like that for everybody. For everybody, that, that process is not instant. For right. you, how long did it take for you from the time that you were in that shelter and you, you got that 
that message and then to the part where you actually started to facilitate your ministry whole, how long was that? How long did it take? As far as being in a shelter, and as you said, beginning to minister, that was probably about, that was probably about nine years. I was just talking to my wife this morning about how I had began to, um, I, I, I began, I became sober in 2011. And then I started publishing in 2018. And ironically, you know, that seven years is like seven is the number of perfection, but it, it took that long to just, as I said, until I really started ministering. I, I, I was ministering during that time before then, before publishing, but I think maybe that adequately answers your question. Now, I did want to refer to something that you mentioned just a minute ago. So I'll have to pull up a quote on that. Why don't you just go ahead while I look okay. for that? I'm on my okay. laptop. And, and so I want to ask you a question. Today, obviously, you do a lot of work in ministry today, and we're going to get to talk about some of that stuff, and we're going to talk about your books and different things. But I want to ask you a question. A lot of people that are in this process maybe don't understand how do you become foundationally sound, and that is committing to your why. And so let me ask you a question, Greg. What, what is your why? What is your why today? And how did you get to understand that? And I know that you're, yeah, I kind of understand, but I want you to share that with the people out there in radio land. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? As I said, when I started out, my greatest pleasure is found in the glory of God. It has to do with what I call, the, my website is called the All Factory for a reason. We are all factories in that we lead others to a sense of AWE in something or another. And I am so in awe of God that it leads me to do what I do. Wow. Yes, absolutely. And that is an awesome God we serve. It is our extreme pleasure to have such strong community partners such as Viewpoint Health to join us in our journey to recovering individuals as well as systems and procedures. Viewpoint Health offers an array of services and resources for individuals with mental health challenges, substance use challenges, as well as intellectual and developmental disabilities. To connect with them, please visit their website at www.myviewpointhealth.org or you can call 678-209-2411. So um, I want to kind of go into and kind of talk about, I know that you do some programs over there at the Salvation Army. Uh, do you still do that? Yes, I do. And so kind of tell us, a little bit about how you develop that program, what is the impetus of that program, and, and just give us some nuts and bolts on that program that you do. Okay, well, we basically have a support group that meets on Friday morning 
at 1030 at the Salvation Army Croc on Metropolitan in, in Atlanta. And so for years I have, I've, I've, I've wrestled with a adequate format for a support group. And just this year, I came up with something that I thought would be pretty simple and yet profound. And the group is titled What Matters Most. It's based on the strongest deterrent against addiction, which is a love for God. And that's what matter, matters most. So during the group, we have a bit of music and then we have some basic reading that we've decided on. Some of it is an explanation of why we use the word of God in dealing with addictions. And then we have a period where we present some type of topic and, and there's different options of what we can do to lead our way into everyone sharing. So okay. after we go into the topics, then people go into sharing. And uh, then we end with some, some music. It's interesting that just last month, I was led to just have music for the whole group, I mean, for the whole meeting. And uh, besides the basic reading. So the rest of the meeting was just music and each member explaining what the music meant in their sobriety. Of course, this is gospel music. And, and you know, the music just, it's indispensable. We can't do without it. Uh, the praise to God, the way he speaks to us in music and everything, it, it's, we can't do without that. So, so uh, we had that group last month and we like we all liked it so we all decided we're going to do this once a month <laughs> ah that's good stuff that that is really good stuff so greg uh, another thing so and i want to thank you for what you do i want to thank you for that so i want to go into and as I told the people when we first came in ladies and gentlemen we're here with greg madison um he's a nationally renowned author uh recovery facilitator believer and a lot of other things as well. So I want to ask you a couple questions, Greg. I was looking at some of your books, and I kind of wanted to um, kind of ask some questions around that. One second here. Let me uh, grab a hold to it. Yeah, I kind of wanted to ask some questions around the addiction of tug of war. Right. Give us a little insight on what that means. Well, addiction, a tug of war, uh, which actually has a workbook to it also. And I, I'll have to admit, I got a little bit lazy because I didn't add a lot of what's in the workbook in, into the, the book itself. But it's an advantage that you do get the work. Someone gets the workbook because there's a lot from there from a Puritan named John Owen on the mortification of sin. Anyway. Uh, addiction of a tug of war has four basic sections. It's very simple. The first section explains what addiction is. Second section explains the different ideals that people give on defeating addiction. Uh, the, 
erroneous ideals on defeating addiction. The third section is uh, God's method of dealing with addiction. And the fourth section is how the church needs to step up and regain the ground that we have given up on addiction and helping people out. Wow. Yeah, that, that's super powerful. And, and so also- you know, I, have this, I have this quote for you, if you don't mind. Okay, go ahead, Greg. Finally found it. I looked for a key word, and the word I looked for was myth. Okay, so this is a quotation from Edward T. Welsh in his book, Addictions, a Banquet in the Grave. He says, there is a Christian myth that change is an event rather than a process, that it is more like a light switch that is turned on than a battle that must be engaged. For some reason, we tend to think wrongly that immediate liberation from slavery of addiction is more glorious than the gradual process of taking a little bit of land at a time. Yes, yes, yes. And, and you're absolutely right. I see so many people today that they, especially in that area of addiction or recovery, so many people are seeking that goal that they perceive, but they miss it because the, the power's in the journey. The, the power, there's so much power in the journey. There's so much revelation in the journey. There, there are so, you know, and, and a lot of times this world of instant gratification that we're in, people ask for things or pray for things or want things. And when they get that thing, they don't even praise God because they got it. They just then go on to wanting something else. You know what I mean? And, and if you just take the time to really thank him, if you take the time to really understand that your prayer was answered, take the time to really spend that time with God and under, even understand why you got it. There's a whole lot of revelation inside that, man. But um, anyway, when you were when you wrote the book, Biblical Quotes That Expose Addiction, can you give us a little insight on what that means? Well, with that book, I was actually trying to do myself a favor and store up some quotes that, that speak about addictions. And uh, some of these quotes date from as far back as um, the first century, I was suppose. I don't remember everything I put in there. I'm, I'm sure I have Augustine in there at one point. Um, and a lot of it is are Puritan quotes. They a lot about sanctification, which is what I believe to be how we are led from addictions of every kind, anything that would separate us from God. So biblical quotes, you said the one that exposes addictions. Yes. Um, there's another one that, that and I, these were co-authored, both of them were co-authored with my friend John Carlson in Philadelphia, who manages He's the director of Transformation to Recovery, Transformation House in, in Philadelphia. And so John does a lot, of read, a, a lot of reading also, and he's recommended some books for me to read. And in my writing, I, I use a lot of quotes. So I decided that I would pull some of those significant quotes out of the books that I had written up until that time and uh, find some more quotes also um, 
And so when I started doing that, I found out that, you know, you can separate those quotes into two, two different areas. One that would expose addictions, the other one, the other quotes of uh, methods of disposing of addiction. Uh, right now, John and I are working on another book of quotes and it's titled um, Biblical Quotes That Speak on the Reverential Factor okay. of Addiction. Okay, okay. And, and so I take it that Bible versus addiction is that the, when you were talking about, there were two books, is the other one, the Bible versus addictions? Biblical quotes for disposing of addiction. Is that what you're referring to? No, uh, well, that, that was the first one. But I guess the next question I have was the Bible versus addiction book. What is the impetus behind that? Oh, that, that was some of my early writing. And so... I was really, God was really opening my eyes up to how, you know, the scripture has so much to say on addiction. I mean, so much so that I, I, I will always have something to write. And, and I would just um, look for different themes at that time in my early writing out of scripture that had to do with addiction and, and, it became a series. I, I had started posting things on Facebook and so um, just randomly. And so from there, I started just pulling everything I had posted on Facebook and made them into books, those series, uh, Bible versus addiction. Now, getting back to your uh, question, Bill, on biblical posts that expose addiction and, and the one on, uh, on the disposal of addiction, the contents of this exposing addiction is like six parts. The origin of addiction, and this is all based on biblical quotes, the origin of addiction and nature of addiction, the depravity of addiction the disappointment of addiction, the deceit of addiction, the insanity of addiction, and the devastation of addiction. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and so I guess my next question is about the book Quality Sobriety. What is the message that you're sending with that book? Quality sobriety. Quality sobriety is based on reference, simply reference. At one time, God led me into a study on all the passages in the Bible that mentioned the fear of the Lord, reverencing God. And okay. that is the most significant thing there is for civilization. We would not exist without reverence for God. We would not be here at all believe me on so many levels it's it's very significant and it's it's the most significant thing there is when it comes to dealing with addiction the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom if i'm not going to pay attention to what god has to say and i'm going to go my own way and it only leads to destruction and you know he speaks in so many different ways fortunately he's so generous that we don't always have to pull out the bible Okay, but uh, it's more it's more advantageous for us. And so this series, Quality Sobriety, I'm I have five volumes right now that I'm just working my way through all the passages that speak on reverence. And so I'm looking at volume five where I 
where I stop and it is, I got somewhere around Psalm 112. I'm up to around Psalm 112 and I'm working my way all, way, all the way through every passage that speaks on reverence, reverencing God and uh, how that's related to addiction. Now, what I found also in my study on reverence, as I said, I studied every passage in the scriptures that deal with reverence. I also was able to categorize those references. And so what you have is the basis of our reverence for God. You have the characteristics of reverence. You have uh, passages speak of the refusal of reverencing the Lord. You have examples in scripture. You have the proof of reverence. And then you have the rewards that everybody likes. Yes, 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 yes. We are proud partners of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Rockdale Newton Chapter. NAMI Georgia is an organization of family, friends, and individuals whose lives have been affected by mental challenges. Together, we advocate for better lives for those individuals who have a mental challenge, and we offer support, education, and advocacy as we do so. Please visit the NAMI Georgia website at www.namigeorgia.org. And if you are local to the Rockdale Newton area, we would love to have you join the family. For more information, you can visit www.namirockdalenewton.com or follow their Facebook page at NAMI Rockdale Newton. And, and so I guess the next question I have, your book, Why Not Get High? What is the message behind that book? Well, the message is the way that you say it. <laughs> I was not able to emphasize uh, the, the, the message, the intended message well enough, I don't think. But here it is. Why not get high? And I start out by explaining to, hold on a second, because I'm trying to pull it off the shelf here. Oh, here it is. Okay. So I explain to my readers why people get high. So the first part is why I get high. And the second part is why not. And, and the third part is, uh, what I titled Get Low. And it's, it's the way out um, after explaining why people get high uh, and why not to, then how, how not to. Okay. And, and in that part, and I'm interested in the part where you say why people get high. And what, what do you kind of, what do you say on, around that? Why do people get high? Well, it's something that I used to joke around with, Bill, when I was getting high. And I would tell people, I'm looking for the desired effect. Uh, there's something we're looking for in this high. And uh, it keeps us, it, it, it has us to keep returning to it. And in a lot of cases, it's a euphoria. 
and the funny thing about euphoria, I had to study this a bit, is that you know there there is good euphoria and there's bad euphoria, and there is euphoria that is is deceptive. It, it, it's it's an illusion, and and it's actually psychotic. Uh, unhealthy it, it goes back to it goes it, it's in tune with uh, my two books called yearning over addiction and the highest yearning which i explained that we all yearn for something and there there is healthy yearning and there's unhealthy yearning and so you know why we get high is because we're yearning for something and i also explained um i was I was led to another reference book that I was I made really good use out of by a pastor named Paul Tripp. Some of you may be familiar with him. He wrote a book called Ah, Why It Matters. And so what uh, Paul Tripp was talking about in, in this Ah is how we all have this dysfunction of finding Ah in things outside of God. Right, 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 right. Uh, and so I guess the next question I have, and I know that this must have tremendous gravity for you because I see it continuing in all your work, turning to God from idols. What is the message from that book? Well, turning to God from idols um, is probably the most significant thing uh, there is outside of reverencing God. God has given me two things to write about for the rest of my life. Uh, one has to do with addiction and the other, we all know an idol is something that is worship. And so God had to teach me what worship is. I had learned years before I wrote Turning to God from Idols, I had learned from um, the Ryrie Study Bible out of the footnote in John 4.24 that worship was originally spelled W-O-R-T-H-S-H-I-P, worth-ship. And it means that I'm expressing whatever it is worth to me, what I worship, what it's worth to me. And so he also began to show me that I was expressing what the addiction was worth to me by the sacrifices that I made and by the trust that I put in them and by the way I allowed them to dominate me and the praise that I would give to these addictions, all making them idols. And, and then there's another big part I picked up on is actually after reading Dr. Tripp's book, Awe, another uh, aspect of worship is the awe effect. We, we are in awe of what we worship. And so what I had discovered is that an accurate definition for addiction is an idol. I learned that back in the mid 90s. Um, it was 
really phenomenal the way God put that together because in my effort to get off of drugs, then I had moved from Cleveland, Ohio to Chicago, Illinois for nine months at Pacific Garden Mission. And after turning away from God at that facility, I went to Kansas City, Missouri. And while I was in Kansas City, Missouri, I entered the program at their mission. I started visiting a church. Well, I found out about this church that was pastored by someone who grew up at a church that I had been a member of in Cleveland. And so I could just see God's hand in all of that. And, and I knew who this individual was. I just didn't know him when he was growing up at the church in Cleveland. So immediately that was, I made a decision. That's where I would be going to church. And after six months of being sober, he asked me to start a Bible-based support group at the church. And when I thought about what that group was going to look like, God began to show me this, this, whole idea of addictions being idle and that um, forever seeing God is a key factor in turning from them because I'm saying God is so much better than, than these things. That's what holds me right now in, in seeing how magnificent God is, understanding how much he loves me and, and uh, doing my best to return that love to him. Wow, you're absolutely right about that. You know, it's interesting that you said that. I was born in Kansas City, Missouri. So that's that's interesting. I guess my next question is, and, and I was looking at your book, The Highest Journey. What is the impetus or the message that you want people to take away from The Highest Journey? Well, as I said earlier, there are healthy and unhealthy yearnings. And so the highest yearning is based on not only being, having an intimate relationship with God, but becoming more and more of the person that he created me to be. And uh, I got a chance to talk to some guys over the weekend that were much younger than I, and I encouraged them to continue along this journey of allowing God to conform them or transform them into the persons that he created them to be. And they're gonna find uh, so much excitement in that, that anything else is not gonna appeal to them. You know, um, they'll just be fixed on that. Wow, you know, and, and it was interesting. I was doing a group yesterday and a young man came into my group and he so enthusiastically greeted me. He was like, you know, just like really pumped. And I know a lot of people and a lot of people come in my rooms and I didn't know exactly where I knew him from. And so I, I asked him, I said, hey, young man, how are you doing? He said, hey, Mr. Bill, man, what's up? And, and from his enthusiasm, I knew that he, obviously we had connected or had a relationship. And I asked him, and now he's sitting in this room of recovery with us. And I asked him, where do I know you from? 
and, and yesterday was my birthday. So everything that happened yesterday blessed me just like everything oh, happens every day blessed me. Right. And, and he said, I was in jail that time when you came in and y'all brought the pizzas. Mm. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and you know, know what I'm saying? I know yes. how that feels. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and and you know, I think about when we when we was, you know, they let us bring programs into the jail and it took a while to get in there. And then I remember when we asked them, because it was actually Thanksgiving and we wanted to bring turkey and dressing and they their heads blew up on that one. But we said and we we ended up incrementally coming down to well, can we bring pizza? Yeah. Pizza is yeah. supposed to be relatively safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know that experience, Bill. I know that it is it is so wonderful. And I know I know the reverse also. I just yes. experienced that. I just experienced the reverse a few weeks ago. I had to I had to go up to Cleveland from Atlanta and escort one of my cousins who has a condition where he cannot be alone right now. And I had to care for him in his time of need after he had cared for me many years while I was pursuing an addiction. Right. And, and then, then the tearjerker is with, with my father who passed away eight years ago before he died. I had been clean and sober for three years and I just gotten married and I was at his beck and call. And yes. it was the greatest feeling that I have ever experienced in my life. Yes, man. You And speaking of beck and call, ladies and gentlemen out there, Radio Land, I see Denise, <laughs> my co-host and my hero. Anyway, Greg, I, I guess that uh, I, I just... I am so grateful that we had an opportunity today to, for, to make this connection. We would like to thank our leader, Commissioner Dr. Doreen Williams, the Rockdale County Sheriff's Office, along with other numerous partners and stakeholders that are taking the initiative to create change for the Rockdale County recovery community. We know that it takes all parts of a community to carry out this vision and together we are stronger. But now I want to ask you, because I, I heard you and I saw on your thing that you do a lot of work on Facebook, you know, a lot of messaging and outreach that way. I see your books and you have a plethora of dynamic books, all that are scripturally based, all that lead us to the greatest place that we can possibly end up. So how do people connect with you and how do you connect with people? Because I know a lot of people that are hearing this message want to make those connections. So how do, how do people do that? How do people get your messages? How do they connect with you? How do they connect with your group? How does that work? Well, they can visit my, my website, www.turningtogodfromidols.com or you can look me up on Facebook, Gregory Madison, and I have a number of Facebook pages. One is Bible versus addictions. Another one is quality Christian resources on addictions. Of course, I have my author's page, author Gregory Madison. And if you just look at my Facebook page, you'll see there are a number 
of Facebook pages that, that I publish. And if you go to the website, you'll see my address, you'll see my phone number and email address, address you, can, you can contact me at. Uh, you can visit the South Atlanta Croc Center. Hold on a second, I'll give you the address. We have our support group at 10.30, 10.30 until 12 on Friday morning. And by the way, they have a lunch, a free lunch at 12.30, Monday through Friday at Salvation Army Croc Center. So that is located at 967 Dewey Street, which is, it actually sits on Metropolitan Parkway. Wow, you know, and, and that's interesting because I was just in a meeting the other day with the gentlemen that we're bringing back from prison and I think we're sending them over there to that spot for the program. I, I just know this, that I am grateful. I am grateful to be counted in the number of people who are doing their best or doing God's doing the best or the rest or however that works to just try to connect people to this loving God that we serve. By whatever means necessary, the key is we can get them to him woo, and we know the rest. Um, that's why I always tell people, do your best and God will do the rest. Gregory, I am so grateful to you for all the work you do. I'm grateful for the commitment that you had to study. That's the one that probably the most powerful thing that I took away from this messaging sit session with you is your commitment to study, your commitment to word, your commitment and what you brought out of there and have given the people in an understandable terms and unapologetically let them know how, where it came from and what it does, there's nothing bigger. And I wanna thank you for that. Well, God once is worthy. Yes, so once again, I wanna shout out to Robert, the executive director at Restoration Storehouse in Conyers, Georgia. I want to shout out to him because without him, we wouldn't be sitting here talking, you know, because I guess that he saw something in you that reminded him of me, or he saw something in me that reminded him of you. And he just mm -hmm. said, y'all should get together and do what y'all do. And that must mean that both of us are doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing on some level. So that's a good deal, man. Thank you, Greg. But before we go, all oh, there's a lot of people that are going to hear the sound of your voice today. And what message do you have for all the people that are going to hear the sound of your voice? Well, the message I have dates back from years ago, Bill, as I attended a Bible-based support group in Cleveland and they had an anniversary program. And so the phrase that I adopted even back then is that the highest form of sobriety known unto mankind is in Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes, yes. I want to thank you, Greg. I want to thank all of our listeners out there in Radio Land are faithful and we thank you for your letters of support. I want to thank you for the award that we won the other day up in Covington. I want to thank all the people that were responsible for that. I want to thank all of our partners, all the people who put the batteries in our back, 
Once again, I'd like to thank Commissioner Doreen Williams, who is the tip of the spear. Without her emphasis, we probably wouldn't be doing this like this. And I'm just grateful. And so, Tanisha, can you tell all the people out there in Radio Land how they can get this message? Absolutely. As I always do every week, I want to encourage everyone to create positive connections. One of those connections is we would invite we like to invite you all to stay connected with us and how you can do that is by visiting our website our website is rockdalesteppingup.com um if you go all the way to the bottom of that web page there's a little stay connected tab if you click on that stay connected tab it'll take you to a library of our monthly newsletters and in each of our newsletters we have several different resources in there. We have a message from Commissioner Dr. Doreen Williams, and she talks about the Stepping Up Initiative and everything that we're doing in the Rockdale community. We also choose a champion of recovery, which is a person in recovery to tell their story and a little message of hope for others who may view their video. And that is broadcast on our YouTube channel. We also select a partner in our community as our champion of change. That is somebody who is creating positive change in our community and our world around us. Mm -hmm. And as I said, there are several different uh, resources such as apps, events, announcements, community partners, announcements, and things like that that we list in our newsletter. We also invite you to follow Grit and Grace on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And we encourage you to continue coming back to join in on these radio shows. If you want to keep hearing messages, just like the beautiful message that you heard today, tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. And Thursdays, we replay at 1 p.m. on Category 10 ENT, and that's on the, um, the His Hop Network. Also, if you can't tune in at, on, at those times, we do have a podcast and we are listed on several different platforms. We're on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts. So y'all keep coming back. With that being said, Greg, I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for taking time out your busy schedule, man. You keep doing what you do, man. And hey, man, hit me up. I'd love to get a chance for you to come and talk with some of my guys over here. We do groups over here from 11 o'clock. We do groups every day at 11 o'clock. We do them virtually and we do them in person. We do groups every night at six o'clock. We do it virtually and in person. So I really look forward to an opportunity for you to share some of your messages with our people. Amen. Thank All right. You. Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in and feeding your recovery with another episode of the Recovery Hour. Remember that you can stay connected with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Grit and Grace RCO or just keep coming back every Wednesday at 12 noon. Until then, and as always, cherish the chips you hold.